Kia ora tato. this is the blog post from the 31st of October 2019, feeling what you need to feel, then letting it go. Hina's come out of hiding, Hina the moon, and with that out of new moon glow, which means that we're on to our next kaupapa, our next theme, and in the spirit of the Atua blog series, our next Atua, God, Elemental Force or Deity that we'll cover throughout the blog posts. And we've been discussing rongo, the atua of cultivation of peace, balance and ayo uh, recently over the last cycle. And my main learnings in these moments that we've shared together is that peace is active, it's dynamic and it's constantly evolving. It's not just a destination we get to and then we like tick it off our list like, yeah, we've got peace. (laughs) Uh, But it's this thing we have to work at, foster and maintain. In some spaces, it's stillness and calm. In others, it's the harmony of many different energies syncing together and balancing each other out. And if we're thinking about rongo as in to hear, feel and sense, like whakarongo, to listen, uh, the different expressions of eye or balance and peace align to this quite nicely. So when it came to thinking of which atua to profile next, I left it open and just let the flow of energies reveal one to me. And a series of events unfolded today, if, like almost two weeks ago, uh, (laughs) which made me think of Mahuika, the atua of fire, and how she'd be a nice contrast to our current kaupapa, and we'd be able to explore um, some interesting perspectives with her. And so, to give you some context, and long story short, uh, there is a vlog out about this, by the way, Um, people didn't listen when we were out in the ngahere in the forest on assignment for the National Geographic photo camp, and they got lost. They were found about 90 minutes later in one piece, physically anyway, and we all eventually made it safely back to camp. And I, and probably most if not all of our crew, uh, I was overcome by a sense of anxiety and fear at the thought of what might have happened to our missing, missing crew. I pā mai te ihi me te wehi. Were they okay? What were they thinking? How did they get separated from the pack? Like There were so many questions and I had to constantly reinstate thoughts of ayo to calm myself down, to calm my mind and regulate the type of energy I was putting out because as a team leader of the group of langatahi that I had, um, you know, they, I couldn't put out the kind of energy that would agitate or make others anxious so I had to constantly check myself on that. Um, all the while aware of the experience I was having and letting myself feel what I was feeling as well. So there was, yeah, there was a fine line with that one. Um, but the reason Mahuika came to mind, and this is probably undeveloped as, and really keen to see how my understanding will evolve over the cycle, uh, but it was because I felt a wave of heat come over me when those scenarios played out in my head, the um, worst case scenarios of what might have happened to those two. And I felt I was a flame growing bigger and bigger, more reckless and uncontrolled as the thrill of the moment began to consume me. And with rongo and ayo fresh on my mind, uh, thanks to the blog and also ayo clothing for reaching its Kickstarter goal, thank you to everyone who supported, um, I attuned myself to that gentle nature of the flame and kept it at bay. Right, so oh, I'll get to it after, I'll just wrap this up real quick. Uh, so there's our little kōrero, our, our transition from rongo to mahuika and a foundation um, for the whakaaro to come over this next moon cycle. Tēnā tātou, hana. 
And what I was going to touch on just towards the end there, um, what's the line? I attuned myself to that gentle nature of the flame and kept it at bay. And so I don't know about you, but when I think of fire, one of the first associations I have to it is a negative one. I think of fire as destructive, right? And so as I, in that paragraph, uh, I felt a wave of heat come over me when those scenarios played out in my head. I was a flame growing bigger and bigger, more reckless and uncontrolled as the thrill of the moment began to consume me. And like that's my first thought of fire. And even when I was reflecting on this for the blog post, I was like, why did you do that? Like, why did you think of like fire? Why wasn't it a wave of, I don't know, wave of water? Because then we'd be channeling tangaroa or even parafenua mel. But like, why did you choose fire and for that negative, oh, it's not a negative experience, but hopefully you know what I mean, um, for that kind of, the way you were feeling, that uncontrolled, wild type of um, untamed sensory experience, <laughs> why did you associate that with fire? And if we're thinking about mahuika, it's, it's quite easy. The correlation is easy. It's simple because the stories about mahuika, um, and there's only one that I really know like know of in, in length, which is about her interactions with Maui. And she's described as this kind of outcast, wild, um, cranky old lady who stays in a cave by herself and Maui has to seek her out to get the fire from her. And then um, he tricks her and gets all the fingernails and then, um, which are fire by the way, if you don't know, and um, he puts each one out and then she gets down to her final one and she ends up throwing it at Maui in, um, in anger. And so <clears throat> the examples of Mahuika and her wildness or untamedness um, are just echoed through that story. And with stories being the most effective way to transfer knowledge and information, uh, that's where I learned about Mahuika. Or well, that's my first, um, I guess, teacher or lesson about fire. Right, is from that story, and I haven't even like I'm 27 now, and I've grown up with that all my life. And so, I think about like it's just kind of blown my mind, really. Like, well, why is she portrayed that way? And then I started to think of other atua wahine or atua with a feminine energy about them. And Hine Nuite and so her story is told in a way that makes her. Sub, like the submissive character in the in the story, um, she's been what's it called? I really don't want to stop recording. <laughs> I just want to keep it going, but the words aren't coming to my mind. Um, but you know, she's subject to the will of Tane, and this thing happened, and then she, um, in some interpretations, she committed suicide. But you know, so it's a pattern that I've started to reflect on. Sifting through Pudaka, it's a pattern that's starting to reveal itself about, or maybe it was always there and I never saw it, really, let's be honest. Um, but I'm starting to see the pattern of how a lot of atua wahine or wahine in our Pudaka are portrayed in a certain way, in a certain light that is unfavorable to them. And tracing that whakapapa back to when the stories were documented by... European 
colonized, like by the colonial settlers. Um, it's easy to see, like that's where the pattern starts, right? Because for Karo Māori, there's a balance to everything. Um, our poor, our life and death, um, masculine, feminine, tāne wahine, there's um, tapu noa, um, there's a balance to everything, there's that duality. And kind of going off our previous topic, which is rongo, um, and everything being in harmony, being in balance, um, the imbalance begins at uh, European arrival in Aotearoa and how they've observed our tupuna, observed our ancestors, what they did, how they did it, why they did it. They documented all of that from their own worldview. Right, so if you see men playing a dominant role and women playing a submissive, um, inferior role to men in your society, you're going to take that lens and observe whatever culture you come across through that same uh, perspective. And that's exactly what's happened. And when I think about Purako, especially the one of Mahuika and how she's portrayed a certain way, I'm like, it's just, it's textbook. Um, our Puraka have just been diluted um, to fit what they could understand at the time. Right? And so Mahuika, um, another reason why I chose her uh, to follow for this next uh, moon cycle is to try and um, undo a lot of that and reinterpret a lot of our Puraka starting with um, starting with her, starting with Mahuika. So that's a little bit of backstory about the the topic that we're following and keen as to hear what you think about it and so send through uh, your whakaro, your comments um, if you've been having a similar thought um, and I'll just wrap it up with um, I guess references and so oh, I mentioned them in the next blog but I just want to get them um, in here now as well which is Ngahuia Murphy. She's the author of Te Awatua and Waifiro, uh, books about rituals, ceremonies uh, for wahine and also a menstrual cycle. Um, Women Who Run With Wolves, who is written by... Um, hang on, I'm just searching it up now. <laughs> women Who Run With Wolves, Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype, book by Clarissa Pincola Estes. Um, very, very amazing book. I'm still on it at the moment. And the last one, last book is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, which breaks down whakapapa and how things like align and how rivers and streams merge um, and contribute to, like, it's just amazing. Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, and then also conversations that I've been having over the last week and a bit. Um, one in particular with Erica Larson from National Geographic about reinterpreting our pūraka or reinterpreting how we engage with nature. And so really want to mihi to all of those streams that have contributed to this uh, stream of thought that has resulted in the blog post and in this podcast episode. So Etifanate, thank you for your time. Uh, get at me with what you think about it as well. Hey kona, see you on the next one.